Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us. This is Are These Books Drunk? Yeah. <laughs> I'm Brandy. I'm Emma. And I'm Mariana. This is your book club with a twist, and we are your happy hour girlfriends. Yay! This month, we're reading My Friend Anna, The True Story of a Fake Heiress by Rachel Deloche Williams. We're back! Yes! <laughs> and kicking off, oh yeah, I'm sure they did. Oh, I hope you of did. Of course they did. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're kicking off the summer and season two with this fun yet anxiety-provoking nonfiction novel. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Oh, how I've missed both of you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this past month went by so quickly, but not quick enough. I've been craving our chats among yes. other things. And oh. so ready to discuss <laughs> this pure delight. My darling Emma. What are you chicas quenching your thirst with on this summery day? Yeah. Well, you know how this book was described as Sex in the City meets Catch Me If You Can? Yeah. Well, our bartender ran, get it? Catch Me If You Can, (laughs) with the former part of that description, kind of, Maybe. We'll see. And has given us a classic to sip on today. Our cocktail pairing for today is the Cosmopolitan. Oh, my. If y'all were anything like me, the first time you came to New York City as a young single woman, you ordered a Cosmo at the bar so you could then giggle with your girlfriends brandy about which character you were from Sex and the City. Mm -hmm. I have just learned that Brandy never has actually had a Cosmopolitan until now. My mind. Crazy. But I like it. I mean, I thought it was bad with not having an Aperol Spritz, but a Cosmo? I know. You're both fired. You're both fired. (laughs) Mariana or Mm. Charlotte. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. What mocktail will you be sipping on today that our non-imbibers can look forward to? I'm so excited about this one. Oh. A sparkling virgin Cosmo. Oh, I mean, yeah. how can we not? <laughs> it's like you're sipping along with us. Yeah. yeah. Brandy, just for fun, what Sex in the City character are you? Oh, I'm 100% a Miranda. Mm. Yeah. No mm. question. Yeah, yeah, I see that. What about you, Emma? Big time. I don't know. I used to definitely be a Charlotte, and now I think I'm like a little Charlotte with mostly Carrie and a lot of Miranda and a touch of Samantha. Oh. Oh, my. Okay. I like a buffet. Just all I'm going to taste them all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, <laughs> listeners. We know you've missed him. Yeah. Here to share the recipe for our cocktail today is the Italian stallion drink slinger, <laughs> our bartender, Ricardo. Ricardo. Ciao, ladies. Welcome to the bar. Welcome back. <laughs> so I good know. to see you. <laughs> How have you been? Great. 
Great. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Ready to get tipsy, Brandy? Happy to be back at the bar. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Just Good. sitting here makes my day. Absolutely. <laughs> Good. So the cocktail of today, it's the Cosmopolitan. Oh, it oh seems obvious the reason why I've chosen this cocktail, but it's actually not. It's actually oh, more appropriate us. for this book than it mm. seems. It's not oh. for the Sex and the City popular reference, mm-hmm. oh. but it's because the origin of this cocktail are mysterious. And oh, there's whoa. a lot going on behind the scene. and. So many people claim that they are the real inventor of the Cosmopolitan. <laughs> but wow. I think that no one is the real inventor of the Cosmopolitan. So let's go down in the recipe and then I'm going to explain you something more about it. Okay, please. <laughs> so for the Cosmopolitan, usually we, uh, usually bartender recommends uh, to use citron infused vodka. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'd love to have like a plain vodka. So one ounce and one third of vodka. Mm-hmm. Half of an ounce of Cointreau. You can use triple mm. sec if you don't have Cointreau. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Half of an ounce of lime and an ounce of cranberry juice. Mm-hmm. And you can decorate and use as a garnish a lemon peel just to remind a little bit of the lemon flavor that you would have yeah. had in the citron vodka. You uh, shake and double strain because I don't want, I don't like the small pieces of ice in my cocktail glass. So yeah. double strain in a martini glass and you garnish with uh, a lemon peel, classic Cosmopolitan. And what's behind the recipe of the Cosmopolitan is uh, a lot of people, like the history of the Cosmopolitan usually starts in the West and they say that they slowly went to the East in the 70s, 80s. And in New York, it started, became popular in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the people that are claiming uh, uh, to be the real inventors of the Cosmopolitan, one of is Neil Murray, the other one is John Kane, Cherry Cook, a lot of people that are like famous bartenders in the West, like in Cleveland, in San Francisco, they mm-hmm. claim to be the real inventor. And especially Neil Murray said in, that in 1975, he decided to change a little bit a uh, kamikaze, that is another classic cocktail, uh-huh. um, adding a little bit of cranberry juice and said like, oh, it's so cosmopolitan. So <laughs> he said that the cosmopolitan is actually a twist on the kamikaze. But uh-huh. that's hilarious. In is it the opposite? 1930s, so 45 years earlier, probably Neil Murray was not even born then. Uh, there's a recipe that is called the Cosmopolitan Daisy. Oh. And uh, it's been around since 1903. So the <laughs> first written proof of the Cosmopolitan is for a, at 1933. Uh, but probably it was already around for the previous 30 years. And it wow. was actually a gin-based cocktail. Gin was way easier to find in the beginning of the century than vodka and instead of cranberry juice that was pretty hard to find (laughs) uh, it was raspberry juice so it was a very sour and tart cocktail but during the time probably it it got like a little bit it's so an evolution on the Mm -hmm. on the Uh recipe 
and then in the 70s it started became popular so it's actually not a twist on a kamikaze but it's a twist on another classic cocktail that is a daisy so that's why it was cosmopolitan daisy this cocktail is has a lot of history so a lot of people mm. they are faking be the yeah, real inventors. What a bunch of scammers. Yes. Uh-huh. Just like, like the book we're reading. Yep. I love this connection. There's the connection. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So enjoy your cosmopolitan now with vodka, now with gin. And alla vostra salute. Ciao. Bye. Ciao. Bye. All right, women. Cheers. Cheers. Salute. Oh, I like our choice in glassware, by the way. All three of us have a very different... Very different glasses. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Ooh. Yummy. That's a Cosmo. <laughs> what do you think, Brandy? I love it. It's so tart and fresh and crisp. Mm-hmm. And I love that there's really no sweetness in it, really. Yeah. Are you getting sweetness, Emma, in yours? You look yeah. like you don't believe me. Yeah, she's so I just fun. never really loved this drink. I used to order it, you know, because oh, I thought that was cool and cool. I didn't know what any other drinks were. So I was like, well, I know a Cosmo. Uh-huh. I never really yeah. liked them. Oh, what is it about it? I just don't love cranberry and it's just very yeah. citrusy. Yeah. You know, it's just not my cup of tea. Okay. That's okay. But Mariana, I bet you love these normally. I, I did. It took me a while to get into them in college, but there was a place in Hell's Kitchen called Cosmos, and oh. all they served were Cosmos. It was this tiny oh little lounge a bar, and all it was a twist on you every twist on a Cosmo that you could possibly imagine. Wow. They served it there, and it was so good. And they served us underage which was really fun too oh yeah you gotta find those spots sorry yeah. cosmos yeah it's no longer there in trouble okay um, but yeah you shut them down <laughs> right <laughs> but i did love the cosmos there <laughs> and how is your mocktail it's very refreshing yeah just kind of yeah what i need today lots of sparkling yumminess <laughs> it seems like in the summer I could double fist a real Cosmo in one and then your yeah, mocktail keep hydrated. in the other so that I'm yeah. hydrating mm-hmm. as I'm drinking. Good for those mm-hmm. kidneys, too. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, I got to take care of the kidneys. It's yeah, always my primary concern <laughs> when I'm uh, when I'm double when you're, fisting. When you're drinking. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, okay, <right>. okay. <laughs> this week... We meet Rachel at the height of a very stressful situation. It's her last day in Marrakesh. She's on a pretty luxurious vacation on her friend Anna's invitation. And suddenly two men from hotel management turn up in their private Riyadh demanding a credit card that they can keep on file because Anna's isn't working. Strange. After some back and forth, Rachel gives her card with the understanding that it won't actually be charged. It's just a hold until Anna's situation gets figured out. Rachel also ends up on the hook for their excursion that day to the Yves Saint Laurent Villa, a situation fraught with even more tension when Rachel's card won't work because the hotel has actually charged her card for over (laughs) $30,000. At the end of the day... Anna owes Rachel almost $10,000, not including the cost of the hotel. Then we go back in time. Back to Rachel's start in NYC from Tennessee, her job at Vanity Fair, and nights out with friends that eventually lead to her meeting Anna. 
Dun, dun, dun. This book yeah. kicked off with such a bang in that that moment. Oh in, yeah, in the Riyadh that morning with those two hotel managers just standing there. I had waiting. such anxiety. <laughs> so Ooh. much. Oh my god! I Im- immediately envisioned myself in that in Rachel's position, and I was just like, "How? How do you? How do you? What do you do? What do you do?" I was already stressed out when she was, like, running late for coffee with her friend. Like, I wish that that were as scary as it got. You know, that enough for me is that good if I'm late. Or the situation with the other friend who's, like, feeling sick. So she's like, I think I'm going to head home. Like, that's that's stressful. Enough. Already, too, being sick in, Mm -hmm. in, you know, a country that's not your own. Mm -hmm. Ooh. I felt like I got a pretty crisp initial impression of Anna in that moment at the very beginning of the book when Rachel mm. tells her that Casey needs Rachel to help her pack. And Anna responds with, why? You're not her maid. She shouldn't be asking you to do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, here, a woman that she's invited to another country is ill and needing to go home. And Anna's not the one immediately taking charge of that situation and helping to handle it. She's leaving it to one of her other invited guests. Like, I felt like that tiny little thing said so much about her already. Completely. And the details of how she stayed in bed and, and like, wasn't getting up to get ready in time. Like, that would freak me the fuck out. I would be so upset. (laughs) Totally. And had left Jesse hanging with the tennis coach. Right. Like, I don't believe for a second she canceled that appointment because the tennis coach was there and Jesse was yeah, there. Yeah, there's no way. She clearly just slept through it. It wasn't only about miscommunication. She just didn't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you had been there in that situation, would you have been like, I'm going home? Or would you have tried to just like have some drinks and and like get past it? <laughs> If you're Rachel, you mean? Yeah. yeah. To be honest with you, I the now Mariana would have been like, this doesn't seem right to me. I'm not going on this excursion that I was like really right. looking forward to. We need to settle this now with the hotel because this, it just, it, but if I'm a 20-something-year-old... I know. That's the thing. ...who doesn't so really young. stand... I mean, not to say that Rachel doesn't stand up for herself, but who at that point hasn't had that kind of confrontation with a friend who invited her to be in Marrakesh. Right. I would then be like, okay, I would think that there was something... That something must have happened, that it couldn't be all Anna. Like, what she's right. saying was factual. Yeah, they're both in their 20s, right, at this mm-hmm. at this mm-hmm. point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we do sort of know after reading this section that Rachel does kind of have a difficult time asserting herself. It was most clear to me in that moment when she and Anna are sitting at the restaurant and she's ordered the pasta with all the dairy on it. Mm-hmm. And instead of asking them to make her a dairy-free version, she goes, she, she goes on the hunt for the <laughs> lactate or whatever it is. She's gone for 15 minutes. And when she gets back... Yeah. Anna has ordered a replacement pasta dish for her. So it seems pretty clear that she's not necessarily somebody who's looking to cause problems by asserting herself. Yeah. I actually, that moment made me so bummed because in that moment I was like, oh, I would have done the same thing. I probably would have also left to just find lactate. But it's because we've worked in the restaurant industry and I'm, I'm all, I hate, I don't send food back. Like I, 
Yo, one I time I was on a first date at ABC Kitchen. Have you mm, been there? Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. really great. I've never been, but I know. So it, nice. Yeah. I was on a first date there for lunch, and I ordered some pasta that was vegetarian. And they sent me the other pasta that sounded like that one, but that had pork. And so I was oh. eating it, and I was like, this <gasps> tastes too good for it to oh. be vegetarian. Oh, no. And I was like, I'm pretty sure this is meat. And so I asked the server, I was like, hey, is this? And he was like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. And he was like, is something wrong with it? <laughs> and also because I was on a first date, I think, I didn't oh, yeah. want to come off as like, Oh, I can't eat to send it back. Problematic. Right. Yeah. So being a vegetarian, I kept it and I ate it. I ate the meat oh. instead of sending it back and looking like a, you know, oh. a problem person. And I was like, that's yeah. so fucked too. I should have stood up for myself. And how yeah. good was it? Oh, it was great. <laughs> Mariana, you are, you are missing the point of that story, Mariana. No, that's really the point. That's the main point. <laughs> It was Mariana's amazing. daydreaming about pasta over here. <laughs> I told you I've been having a lot of cravings. <laughs> so like, Sounds like what? a woman who's got her priorities straight, if you ask me. <laughs> I was just thinking about the food. Um, well, one thing that I wanted to ask, sort of off your question, Emma, is would you either have you given your card in this moment when management's demanding it, Anna can't figure out her shit, they're saying, do you have a credit card that you can put down for this room? What do you do? I would cross my fingers and pray to whatever gods are there that they wouldn't actually charge it. But I probably would have given my card. You would have. I think I would have because I, I think – and I think this is where her mindset is too is she's like, well, if something bad happens and I can fix it, like she'll pay me back. And so right, I right. would think to myself – you know, even if it's charged and it's a disaster, I can fix it. It is fixable. Right. So it it's might, all worked so far. Yeah. And like it might hurt now, but it's going to be fine. And it's better than right. living in that dread of having them stand around you, looming around you all the time. Right. Would you not have? It, I think I expected that answer from you, Emma, because <laughs> there was at one point that I totally thought of you um, when Rachel says, I have been given the strength and confidence to follow my dreams. And I believe there were there was at least a kernel oh. of goodness in every person. Oh. And we've talked a lot about that, that that's what you, you firmly believe that. And I think that's beautiful. And I love that. But I think but- I'm a little bit more... <laughs> I'm not as trusting now as I used to be, I think. And then yeah. there would have been, I would have second guessed the situation being like, this is, this doesn't, this, there's something fishy here. This doesn't yeah. seem like there's something more going on. Hmm. So to actually just immediately place my card and pray and hope that I won't get charged, I feel like this is, this is going to go down quick and it's going to be pretty bad. Yeah. Well, also, I looked up the cost of that. The place where they were staying. Oh, you I, oh, I the can't cost even of imagine. Ten thousand, and this is today, so I don't know what it was then. But ten thousand sure. dollars a night. <laughs> ten thousand a night. So who knows how long they were there? I mean, it seems like it was maybe three nights, based on what she was charged. But and that's with I, all the amenities of like a butler and a pool, and I think so. I don't know if it includes oh food God. and all that, but the the Riyadh itself, ten wow. grand a night. Well, in in. Was it the first Sex in the City movie? Doesn't this happen to them? 
Something oh, sim oh, you guys haven't remember. seen. I don't think years. I've seen either of the movies, just the show. I, I think they're in Dubai. Mm-hmm. And then for some reason, of course, Samantha gets in some sort of like sexual scandal and everything has been paid, paid for. And then they realize that they can no longer stay there. And then they have to pay up front instead of it being taken care of. Um, and it's a ridiculous amount of money because they're yeah. in, each of them have a suite and a butler. And so very similar uh, circumstance. Right. So they head for the airport because they're like, we can't stay another night. And that was sort of my question because I know that Rachel has a flight the next day and she, you know, she's headed to to meet up with friends in another country or whatever. But my thought was immediately like, you can either have them charge 30 grand to your card right now, or you could catch a, you know, maybe $2,000 flight out early, get the hell away from this situation. Mm Mm-hmm. And not owe $30,000 to the, I don't know. I feel like I would have been like, my limit doesn't go that high. I'm so sorry. I need to leave immediately. Yeah. (laughs) But also like, like, well, A, about that, I I don't think that she knew it was going to be that much money. And also they kept telling her that it wouldn't have been charged. And I think and she was really trusting on that. But also I think what's, what's so difficult about it is it's not just like, this wasn't like a coworker trip, you know, like she was one of her really Mm -hmm. good friends who's been so generous to her that it's like I think it makes it so much more difficult for you to just be like something feels off I'm out of here right because she's still your friend who has been good to you but there are these weird little things that keep happening the 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 fact that she seems to be late all the time for things the payment issue has come up more than once. I think she says early on in, in hanging out with Anna, they're at a bar or something, and Anna offers to buy everyone a round of drinks. Oh, yeah. And when the check comes, she realizes she doesn't have her card, mm-hmm. so she asks Rachel to cover it. And Rachel does and says she never mentions it again. Clearly, Anna doesn't offer payment after the fact. So there do seem to be these little hints of unreliable behavior. The apps that she usually pay- pays with. Right, that Which didn't is, work out. That didn't work out. Really like, smart very move, strange though. things. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, reading all this, too, like, actually reminded me, sadly, of my uncle that passed away because he was super, super generous with his money. Mm-hmm. And so whenever mm-hmm. we were all together for an occasion, like a graduation dinner or the brunch after Thanksgiving morning, anytime that all the family was together, he always made it a point to be like, I'm picking up the check, I'm getting dinner. And it was always like a really nice place. Like I remember my brother's graduation dinner, we went to a steakhouse Mm -hmm. and there were a lot of us and he graciously was like, I'm getting the check. But on three different occasions, I think, his card didn't work. There was some problem with with the way that he was trying to pay. And so my dad had to cover the bill. And every time my dad was like, okay, like I hope he comes back for good. And he did every time. He actually did, you know, pay him back. But that could have been a pretty sticky situation. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. So you do, you know, for the one that you love, you do what you have to, I think. And I think that she loved her at that point. I think so. I, I do agree with that, Emma. I don't think I would have left right away, but I do think that I would have stuck around and like figured it out before putting down the card. Like I would have been I would I would have been mistrusting enough to like try to solve it before right. putting the card down and mean like there's something there. I don't know if I would have left, but I definitely wouldn't have gone to the excursion. No. Yeah, definitely not. 
I would have stayed at the pool, hung out for the day, yeah. waited for my flight. Yeah. Yeah. I think I and, would have gone on the excursion. But at the very least, wouldn't you have asked, like, is Said this already something. covered? Yes. Like, is, what is the deal Absolutely. with payment for this? She just kind of seems to assume it's already taken care of. Taken care of. But she assumed payment for the room also was taken care of, and it clearly hasn't been. Well, something that she said that stuck with me was actually when they were at the museum. She said, suddenly I understood how it hurt to have your validity questioned. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's so true. I know I've had my validity questioned and it sucks. And so Rachel was saying that about herself. But then if you think about that in terms of you questioning your friend's validity, that also is like that's some sticky territory. It is. And so I, I completely understand her trepidation and like bringing it up but also now it sucks for her (laughs) well now it really sucks for her i mean i don't do either of you know the story i don't know the story where it ends up no No. i don't know the completion of i can guess but i don't actually know yeah same Same, you do kind of i don't fully but i will say anna Anna Delvey has a public Instagram account. And so I was starting to look at her Instagram and you can pick up things that happen based on her posts. Interesting. Um, But then I was like, okay, well, I don't want to know too much. So I didn't keep looking. But it is kind of fun. I I suggest if you all want to follow her just for shits and giggles. I want to do that now. It's kind of funny. It's the Anna Delvey. Okay. Shout out the Anna Delvey. Anna, if you're listening. Follow me back. But then you also have to follow Rachel. Oh, She's yeah. She's the innocent in this situation. If you're going to follow Anna, you got to follow Rachel, too. Something I wanted to bring up about this fucking moment was this situation with the dress. Oh, girl. Oh, the dress. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? I thought of you in that moment, Mariana. I was like, what is happening? I... That would have been that would have really struck a nerve with me. I don't know if I would have thought about it a little bit different now, but I I had a very hard time seeing my friends borrow each other's clothes or like just do it without asking. Like that was always something like, how does that actually work? And I thought that it was just because I'm an only child that that's that's why I was just I felt uncomfortable with that type of situation. No, same. I have too. It just it. Did. Like somebody, you're, the tag is on a dress that you haven't worn. It's a new dress. And Rachel even knew that Anna wore it because they were going to be taking photographs and she wanted to look extra cute in her own dress. Right. She said, it, I knew it would photograph well yeah. or something. Yeah, <sighs> that for me was a moment where I was like more on y'all's side where I was like, no, no, no. Like that. You can't do that's that. That's a red flag. Yeah. I think for me, you know, I have two sisters. And right. if one of them grabbed something out of my closet, like I don't I don't care, even if it is new, like whatever. The And even one of my if, if a good friend for some reason had, you know, done something like that, I think I would give them the benefit of the doubt. What bothered me the most was the way Anna sort of breezily walks out and doesn't even address it. All she says is, I figured it would photograph well. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. You got to give me a reason or something. Like, <laughs> there better be a damn good reason. Yeah, where are you going? Right. You're not going anywhere. You're having dinner with us. What? You have clothes. Put something on. Like, why are you wearing my new dress? Right. It's crazy. It's so entitled. It just smacks of like, 
I pay for everything. This is mine now. Except I don't even want it. I just want to wear it first. Mm-hmm. And then you can have your rags back. Like, that's the vibe, I feel like. <laughs> it's, there's just – it's a lack of social etiquette, I feel like. There's just Which a- she – yep, that's a good observation because she does exhibit that consistently mm-hmm. in these chapters. Mm-hmm. So something I wanted to ask the two of you is at the end of this week's chapters, Rachel says that at some indistinguishable point in their friendship, the dynamic between her and Anna began to shift. Mm -hmm. Rachel became more and more comfortable letting Anna pay for her and more and more comfortable ignoring Anna's rude behavior towards other people. She's constantly blasting her music in cabs, (laughs) making no effort to be social at parties that she's invited to. And she even has this horrible moment where she refers to someone as a peasant. So I wondered, (laughs) have you ever had a friendship or been in a relationship with someone who you allowed this to happen with? Someone that you allowed to blur the lines of what you found to be socially acceptable or morally acceptable or who just pushed you past your point of comfort for better or worse? Because I can see how that could be a good thing potentially, but Mm -hmm. could also be, as in this case, really bad. Mm -hmm. Yes and no. (laughs) <laughs> like the, when you when you ask this, the first thing actually that I think of is I have several friends that I really hate going out to restaurants with because uh, they're those guests. Yeah. It's not like they're rude to the servers, but they have so many questions and demands and particularities. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if they don't like it, they are quick to tell them and like make it seem like it's their fault and they'll send it back. And right. it's just kind of, it's terrifying for me every time. I always want to like look up at the server and be like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know. Um, I know. But that's, that's different than what you're asking. I do have a girlfriend, a very good girlfriend who's very close to me who it feels kind of wrong saying that I saw a lot of similarities between her and Anna because Mm. she's not as um, manipulative and Mm. selfish as Anna. But she does – she has always been a lot older than her years. And so she's – she has this confidence in – speaking to people in a way that that would always make me really uncomfortable. Mm, Um, I mean, there's also something I think is really admirable about it. Like she can make friends with everyone and anyone wherever she goes. She can have a conversation with anyone and then she gets people to love her. (laughs) And so then whenever she needs something, she always has people that she can reach out to that she knows will help her because she's established this connection. And she also is very generous with her money. And so I think that she uses that sometimes as mm-hmm. like a level up to get what she wants because she yeah. she knows that like, well, you know, I paid for us every time we've gone out. And so if I ask for this thing, like I need you to do it. Right. Um, yep. She's not as, you know, as daft of like blasting music in a cab. But I will say I think it comes in handy sometimes and – like at my wedding, for that. instance, she was the person that came up to me and was like, your makeup needs fixing. Like, I am I need to fix your face. And at first <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, 
wow, you have some balls. But on the yeah. other hand, I'm like, thank God she said something because right. no one else would. You need no that. one else right. would you do don't that look like rash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was actually like. Thank you. And so sometimes I wish that I could channel some of her, mm-hmm. you know, and just like give less of a fuck. Um, <laughs> and then my dad actually in my life has always been the person that was now now I like laugh about it. But growing up, he was so embarrassing to me because he also would just speak to anyone and always like in a way that uh to him, he was being direct, and to me, I thought it was rude, and he's uh-huh. so not a rude person, mm-hmm. but he just knows yeah. what he wants, and he's mm-hmm. he's he stands up for things, and so it used to be completely embarrassing and terrifying to me, and now I'm like, oh, just how he is. Like, I love him for that. Yeah. yeah. But you were afraid of how he came across to others. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to feel like I had to like defend him sometimes. Like he's, yeah. you know, he doesn't, you know, he's really sweet. Like he's not, he's not scary. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's true. But like to some of my friends, they thought that he was really intense. Mm. So yeah, wow. that's a good way to put it. I was worried about what other people thought of him. Thought of him. Interesting. Which is like protective. Yeah. This relationship too, I guess for Rachel, she's sometimes yeah. like. Hmm. Right, you can She's tell really she clocks generous. these awkward moments, yes. but she, yeah, yes. she sort of apologizes for it and excuses it mm-hmm. in her own mind. I guess for me, throughout my young adult life, I would say until like maybe up until three to four years ago, I used to really crave i guess craving a lot crave crave these friendships of (laughs) friends (laughs) friends who were different than me in that respect that they were able to talk to anyone at any point in time no matter how they came across it didn't Mm. fucking matter to them and i was like i wish i had those balls yeah that i didn't have to think twice at all of what I was saying or what people were thinking of, of me in return. Mm. Yeah. So I think I I just I, – I wanted to be surrounded by those people because subconsciously I wish it would rub off and then they could be my buffer in case something happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, like a bodyguard. Yeah. <laughs> So I can I can definitely see why Rachel gave into this because it was it yeah. was just very I can relate a lot to Rachel because it was someone who was very different than she was. She did mm-hmm. was very reliant on what socially or what we consider socially acceptable etiquette should be like. And she was going with that, but then this other woman kind of like threw her for a loop. Yeah. And I can see why that's very enticing because yeah. I think I did mm-hmm. do that a lot. Yeah, there's something attractive about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even I if you that. have that little voice inside you clocking those moments that you're like, this doesn't seem right to me, but mm-hmm. right. I'll just go with right. it and see where it takes me. It's almost like being on vacation or something <laughs> in a weird way. You <laughs> exactly. know what I mean? Exactly. Like a personality vacation. Exactly. Yeah, I so I dated somebody for a long time who was similar to what you guys are have both described. You ladies have both described. Mm-hmm. Um, was like a very direct person. Could definitely come off as very brash mm-hmm. to people or very harsh 
to people in a way that like weirdly I was embarrassed by a little bit and felt the need to like apologize for a Mm. little bit but also similar to you Mariana that like I wished I had a little bit more of that and I don't know if I was hoping that like it would rub off on Mm -hmm. me a little bit or anything but it's funny that I actually found that the opposite thing was happening. I was becoming smaller oh. in the wake of that person's behavior. You know what I mean? Like I was hoping that some of that would rub off on me. And instead, it was like not only pushing me away, it was like making me. I it was see just making that. me small. Um, so luckily, you know, I, I got away from that. And it's interesting because ever since then, I can sometimes recognize that in people not always immediately Mm -hmm. it's happened a few times where like I'll be friends with somebody for a while and then I'll realize like oh my gosh this is what's happening again this is a pattern (laughs) that I fall into where for some reason I'm attracted to this type of personality and I I need to not Mm. be because it's harmful and I don't Mm. know what that draw is that like magnetism Mm -hmm. is but then as soon as I recognize it, I'm like, no, not doing this anymore. Done mm-hmm. immediately, which is why I think I've had such a hard time with a lot of Anna's behavior because I kind of don't understand their friendship, mm-hmm. I think, is the thing. Like, like what are they I getting can, out of it? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That you, you both said, you know, it seems like there's a lot of love there. And I'm like, but is there? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know if I see that. I don't I don't know. Anyway. Mm. Um yeah, I feel like the older I've gotten, the easier it is to sort of suss out these weird little things that I'm like, I don't yeah. know what that is, but I want no part of it. I know that. Which is so great that you're so aware of that cuz I feel that a lot of individuals, a lot of people just fall into the same pattern over and over. When you're talking about friendships mm. and relationships, which could be even more it's harmful. It's so easy to. Mm-hmm. And I think especially in relationships, because what you were just saying, I was thinking, because there is something kind of enticing and appealing about befriending someone or starting a relationship with someone who can offer a lot of um, experiences that you haven't been able to experience before. Right. Right. Like I dated this guy. Dated is a strong term, but. My sugar daddy, and I loved. Oh. I loved being with him because he was like opening. He was giving me these experiences yeah. that I would, would never, never have had, had otherwise. Yeah. But then you yeah. have to really also be clear with yourself about like, is this? Am I just enjoying it for the actual experience side of things, or am I emotionally getting something out of this? And I think right. it started off as. The former for Rachel with Anna, you know, like, but then I think it actually did become a little emotional when she did become that friend that she could contact whenever. Whenever. Just like, hey, do you want to meet up? Like, that does feel good to have those relationships with people. Yeah. (laughs) You're not sold. (laughs) I, yeah, I just don't know. I So I know that – so Rachel comments at one point that it seemed to her that Anna cared more about the appearance of having Jesse, that, that videographer, mm-hmm. oh, there filming yeah. that documentary mm-hmm. with them. She said that it was clear to her that Anna cared more about the appearance of having him there than him actually, actually doing what he was there to do. Yeah. And that definitely seems to be the case – 
with a lot of things in Anna's life. She hires that personal trainer, but she's constantly late to the sessions. <laughs> and then she kind of like half asses them while she's there. And then she undoes all of the work by going out to these extravagant restaurant meals. She goes to the sauna to detox, but she's drinking <laughs> while, while she's, she's there. Yeah, she's actively drinking I while like, she's I there. I was like, I get it. I get it. <laughs> And I know it can sometimes be hard to see those connections, like when you're in it, when you're in that moment, you can't necessarily put all those puzzle pieces together, like if you're Rachel. Mm -hmm. But I just kept wondering, like, what is this friendship for her? Does she actually enjoy her company? Or is she just being taken by the extravagant lifestyle that Anna can kind of offer her? If Anna didn't have this wealth, like, just based on personality alone, mm. would these two people be friends? I think it's a little bit of all of that. Because we're in in an age where, because of social media, because of how people present themselves, it is a lot about yeah. appearances. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I think if someone appears to have this full life, this full, extravagant, rich life, mm -hmm. you're going to be like, well, she has a videographer following her. Well, she's mm -hmm. going to all the in spots. She has these connections. Like, and why she wouldn't you I, along with her. Why yeah. wouldn't I want that? Like, that's a benefit out of the friendship. But also, right. Rachel works for Vanity Fair. She's surrounded by these types of people all yeah. the time. Yeah. Right. So it's like if it's another person that she can put – as weird as this may sound, in her back pocket and be like, hey, look who I'm friends with. It's like going to help her in her career too. So I can I can see why it would be another reason why she would enjoy this friendship and actually be very much enthralled with the whole situation. Mm. But also Rachel does think that Anna is, is starting her own um... – Right. Foundation. Oh, foundation, foundation, right. So she also has a compassion in her heart. Right. And yeah. it's like, oh, she's such a boss, you know, for at her age, like mm -hmm. handling these situations and then having these meetings with people that I could never get close to. So yeah. I do think there is an admiration in terms of her work, like what True. she's getting from – she just thinks that she's a, a badass. Yeah. She doesn't right. know. Right. But I wondered about that too. Like I guess I just feel like Rachel's – fooling herself this whole time because at one point um Rachel makes mention of the fact that Anna confided in her more than she confided in Anna and that's in part because Anna's life is supposedly so much more interesting than hers she's taking all these interesting meetings whereas Rachel's life is really just about like booking hair and makeup people for shoots or whatever it is you know um, and meanwhile, Anna's having these meetings with like hospitality giants right. who mm -hmm. own restaurants and all this stuff. But every time they spend time together, it seems like they're just day drinking and eating lunch. Like in my mind, I kept wondering, when are all of these meetings happening and where is all of the work that goes into forming those connections happening? Because when they're together... None of that shit. It's not like Rachel or it's not like Anna's fielding calls right. for all of these important meetings and trying to set them up and stuff. You know what I mean? So it just feels like a little bit of a fantasy mm -hmm. that Rachel's buying into without having any evidence of the fact that these things are happening. Yeah, it's a lot of it's talk. just all. Yeah, it's just all Anna telling her that this stuff is going down. But her lifestyle doesn't really show the boss who's starting mm -hmm. a foundation she did this is so not related to what you're saying but i i had a really fun time reading this 
learning that Rachel was working or is working, I guess, at World Trade Center. And then she talks about going to PJ Clark's at Brookfield Center, which is like so, right across the street from Elvez. And uh-huh. so it's just like That's right. this whole time I was like, oh, I wonder if I've like waited on her. Like maybe she's been to Elvez. Oh, yeah. She's like been my guest. Oh, interesting. There was also the funny mention of the Oscars moment, you know, when she's doing yeah. the Oscars party and they, there's the slip up with La La Land. Yeah. And yeah. It was just so fun to have that moment where I was like, oh, I remember where I was when that happened. Like, I remember watching that moment play out on TV. And it's just those funny little touches that make you feel so connected to this book and the story. Yeah. And to tag along with that, <laughs> this is something really embarrassing and I'm going to say it. To all our listeners, because I think both of you know, I'm a huge Real Housewives fan. And I love the Real Housewives. That's definitely like my, oh God, my dirty pleasure. Yeah. I love Bravo in general. So when they said. Yes, you do. Yes, I do. (laughs) So when they said that they were in uh, Bethany Frankel's apartment with Frederick, who I I didn't end up watching their show that they did together, but this guy is... Oh, you know who that is. I do. Because he's at um, New York Listings. New York York Listings. He's a huge realtor. Like, he's... And they have a show. And they had a show. So when mm. they mentioned both of them, I was like, oh, my God. For me, that connection was like, it that kind got of was you. like, that got me. Because <laughs> I had seen Bethany's apartment, and her apartment was immaculate. And that oh statue of the apple, like, I remember seeing all of that on TV. Really? And I'm like, I cannot believe you How were actually looking to purchase that, that apartment. apartment. It, was, uh, it was very surreal. As if she moment. could. As if she could. I mean, I wonder if she could have. I don't know. How? I'm so curious. I mean, yeah, I'm so curious about where the money is, is playing out. Yeah. yeah. That leads me into my question that I have for you two. Oh, okay. So this book is bringing up a huge topic that I've always been really uncomfortable talking about. Like, always. The topic of finances. I have always had a really hard time talking about money, no Mm. matter who the conversation is with. Mm. So that relationship that Anna and Rachel end up developing, where they start to pay tit for tat, where one of them is picking up the tab for something and the other making sure that they get the tab at the next spot, so on. It reminded me of a relationship that I was in Mm. that sounded, unfortunately, just like this. Mm. If he picked up the tab for anything, no matter how small, he would be sure to make sure I paid for whatever the next thing was. Yo. I don't like that. It was... It was awful. Like, and it didn't matter how small it was. How long did that relationship last? (laughs) Like a year on and off. Wow. Yeah, no, it was like... I knew it was bad, but I always felt I always felt bad about it, but I also always had like a really hard time confronting him about it. Mm. Similarly to Rachel, I guess. Am mm, I a Rachel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I I've been curious reading this. Um and I, I'm gonna pose the question specifically about your partners, but like kind of actually I want to expand it to an overall topic. Hmm. How do the two of you deal with finances with your partners? Have you had to figure out some system between the two of you as your relationships have continued over the years? So like that's my question. But like now I also I, I am also curious just overall, like how you two if you have the same issue of like talking about money as I do, and I'm just so curious about like what that is, and yeah. So now I've made it a bigger question. 
Well, to your second question, I, I, I'm very much like you, Emma. Like mm-hmm. finances has always been kind of tricky. And I think, I mean, you also might agree, Brandy, because of the industry that we in and it's so unreliable and it's not stable. It's like you yeah, always sure. feel, at least I always feel guilty if I am not paying the same amount or like when you're going out with friends, if someone pays for the bill one day, like you don't want to owe anyone anything or then like feel like you're asking for a favor or feel lesser. It just, it's a very slippery slope and it just doesn't settle well with me. Like I always feel like I I just always want to feel like an equal and just feel that I'm never taking advantage of anyone. Right. Yeah, I get that. And that leads me also with the, the conversation with Andrew. Now that we've been married for 10 years, oh, <laughs> which is crazy. You don't look a day over 22. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, it was tricky at the beginning because when we first mm. met, we were not fully financially independent. We were still in college. Yes, yeah, we had right. internships, but we still that we still had a safety net. So then moving right. out on our own together for the first time and then starting to deal with that, we we definitely kept our independence as much as we could. But he was and has always been my supporter in more ways than one. And he has mm. been and will continue to be. I mean, who knows how things will change in the future. The breadwinner of the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was kind of always the given, especially because he met me as an artist. So he he understood Right. But there was always a part of me that had to make sure that regardless if how unreliable this profession is, I always needed to have these side jobs that fulfilled me, but that I could also contribute. Like I could also be a part of it. I could be a partner. Right. What got very tricky is that his upbringing was very different than mine, as I've mentioned many, many times during the podcast and so his parents have separate bank accounts, and they still have separate oh. bank accounts. That's wow. what they've done. I mean, I, I don't know if they have shared bank accounts. Not, like, maybe one bank account is shared, but they very much have, like, their their independence is very important to them in regards uh-huh. to that. Okay. My parents, on the other hand, is just, like, everything is t- put together. So it yeah. took us about six years and this was before we got married and then after we got married that we started having these conversations of like, well, now we're a family. We should join accounts. But it took mm-hmm. us a long time to get there. And mm-hmm. I understood wow. why, where he was coming from. But it also felt like we weren't fully together together until that became a unit. Yeah. Sure. And it took us yeah. – it took took a while to process all of that. But now we still have like our account. We still have our our savings account, but we still keep two independent checking accounts just to have that little mm-hmm. like this is this is like, like I a want, little buffer, your little buffer. But it's also like I I'm going to treat you with my money. Like it's right. there's our Aww. money as a family, but this is like, and I think that's more for me huh. than for him, just so he knows that. And not that he's ever asked me, but just the, so he knows that I'm, I have, I have my, my independence and I, and I'm, and I'm trying yeah. to work for my st- stability on I my like own. I like that. Yeah. I, it's always been very important to me. 
to know that yeah. I can be reliant on myself. Yeah. That I have, that I'm an equal partner in the relationship. Of course. Yeah. And also then, like, if you want to, you know, buy him a gift. Exactly. It's not like, like, Ricardo and I just had that conversation, too, about, like, the joint bank accounts. And mm-hmm. he was like, but if I want to buy you something – if we have like a, if it's coming from the joint account, then it's like you're also kind of paying for your own gift, and so it's like, yeah, how do we? Is, yeah, is how do you? Interesting. Mm-hmm. What exactly. about you, Brandy? Well, I think I'm going to come off like a weirdo, but I love talking about money, <laughs> and I think it's I'm not really... surprised. <laughs> Miranda. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really important. It is really especially important. as women. I think we have to develop a positive, empowered relationship with money and sure. with our finances. Sure. And I'm also just a huge, huge, huge believer that if you make an enemy of money in your mind, you're energetically pushing money away from you. Mm. And I know that that sounds woo-woo and new agey or whatever. No. But I, I really believe no, in I that. No, I believe that too, stuff. actually. Mm-hmm. So I have a really positive relationship with money now, but I think that that's because I had a partner before Jason who uh, he was really miserly about money and he always had this mentality of like lack and needing to like scrimp and save even when even when that wasn't necessary, even when that wasn't the case, you know what I mean? And he would like criticize purchases that I made and you ladies know me I'm not I'm never buying anything extravagant Mm -hmm. anywhere near extravagant but he would like just always what did you buy here what was this what was that like why oh no um and so I was like always having to justify no regular purchases it was madness um so when Jason and I moved in together I I just we we both tried to be very mindful of the conversation around money and for me it was really important just because I know that money is something that couples fight about oh, and money gosh. is something that breaks couples yes. up. I just knew I never want to have weirdness around this. I never want to have negativity about this. Mm-hmm. The money situation is what it is. You make it work for you no matter what that situation is as long as you are cognizant of it and careful about it it will be fine Mm -hmm. and you just need to talk about it and be vocal about it so yeah I think we've always just worked to to touch base on it regularly and to never have it never let it get to the point where it's a stressful topic Mm -hmm. it's a joint effort it's a family pool Mm -hmm. (laughs) We have goals around it. We're actively always trying to work towards those goals. And that's how we know we're never overspending on things. We're both conscious of right. the goals. We talked about the goals together. We decided on the goals together. So they are joint goals. Yep. This is the most Miranda thing you've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> it came right out. I really see it. I really do. <laughs> I take that as a yes, compliment. There you you should. Everything you're saying is really smart. Yeah. I I do think, Brandy, conversation and honesty is key. Like you hit it right on the yeah. money. 100%. <laughs> Pun intended. Right on the money. <laughs> uh, yep. It's too easy. And <laughs> where do we go from here? Wait. Okay. 
One thing that we kind of skipped past that I should have brought up earlier that I wanted to bring up was... Do it. I could not believe that Jesse and Anna let Rachel go back to that museum by herself to pay... Uh, and, you know, and she gets there and her credit card's not working. And the, the men literally say to her, how do you propose we handle this? Right. And she's a female in a different country by herself being asked this question. And I was so afraid for her in that moment. Oh. And, you know, she calls her credit card company and they're able to raise her minimum yeah. or whatever yep. it is so that she yep. can pay for it. But, I mean, they just as easily could have said no and then where would she have been i just couldn't believe that her friends let her go back to this place alone i can't believe she allowed herself to go back to this place alone i mean that didn't even cross my mind because i was like this is such a reputable like really nice um high-end museum you know like they wouldn't they couldn't tarnish their their character like, I feel like, are you insinuating that it could have been more than just money, like a financial transaction? I don't know what it could have been. But what what do you do when a man says to you, you cannot pay? How do you propose we handle yeah. this? That sounds like a dangerous uh, proposition in one way or another. Like, And especially you're, you're in alone. a foreign country. No one knows where you are. Your friends have left you. Like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Just get I on your just... knees. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so then I'll send you. I'll send you if we're ever in this situation. <laughs> I'm so kidding. I'm totally kidding. Yeah, but you put your card in. down. That's not getting yeah. edited out. That's well, she did put her card out. down, but it was getting rejected. You know? Then what? Right. And, like, luckily, Jesse and Anna turn up again after the fact. But, like, I just can't imagine letting my friend go off like that to take care of that situation on her own. Especially knowing that it's your fault. Yeah, it's your fucking fault. And Jesse is the only guy. Mm-hmm. He's the guy. Mm-hmm. He's a paid employee, but, like, you're the guy. He's like, peace, I'm going to be at the villa. <laughs> yeah, he was like, this is fucking ridiculous. I'm out. <laughs> What? Well, that didn't even cross my mind. I was just like, she can handle it. Like, she's a grown woman. Oh, I woman. was alarmed. I was alarmed. <laughs> it was the scare. To me, it was the scariest moment in that chapter was this this uh, museum situation. You weren't scared when she ordered wine at the nail salon? <laughs> no, I was like, that sounds I actually good. thought the same thing, too. I was like, huh. I was, I was actually. Like, why isn't that a thing? I <laughs> used to do that every time I went to the nail salon. You would order wine. I didn't order it, but I always brought it in with me. You're I always brought me. wine. No, why it's a have great we life hack. Like, neither of you have done that ever. They let you. They just like let you every do that? time. Well, yeah. I've been to salons where they they have wine that you pay yeah. for, but not. Right, you just but bring like at the hair cups. salon. Well, they used to pre COVID. They like offer you a drink mm-hmm. and. Like I don't know oh, why that's not just a thing. Do that. That's nice. Oh, yeah. Well, no, they don't. They don't do it anymore because of COVID. They want you to keep your mask on. But yeah. well, I highly suggest trying it next time you go to the nail salon. Just bring something with you. Bring a little plastic cup. They never care. You just oh, ask. Oh my you can. goodness! I don't know. I never wow. thought about that before. Yes, hang with me, yeah. ladies. Let's go get our <laughs> nails done when the nail salons reopen, <laughs> or I guess they're open. Well, speaking of fun times. 
Oh. Reading these chapters made me totally reminisce about Epic Nights out in NYC. Oh, I know. <sighs> I, like I know. Rachel, would love getting a drink after a long day of work and having those go-to friends <laughs> that you could just yeah. call up and be like, hey, what are you up to? You want to meet up? Those were some of the best nights when they were so unexpected and incredibly spontaneous and you had no idea what awaited you. Mm-hmm. With things opening back up, I hope that that's something that we can live out <laughs> maybe some night again. We better. Soon. Yeah. So why don't we go back in time and share places that we've explored or a night that was not planned and ended up being just unforgettable? Oh, oh, I love it. I know. <laughs> I love it so much. Okay, I'll start. Okay, go. Okay, I love this question because I was like, I, you know, I as we keep saying, I just feel so boring all the time these days and like I don't do anything oh, and I'm so antisocial. No, it's fine. It's it's true. But I I really do love reminiscing on these these times when I was going out quite a bit and I had yeah. so much fun. And like you said, it's those spontaneous ones where, like, you never know where it's going to go. Like, you just, like, meet up for a drink and then, like, seven hours later. Mm-hmm. Okay, we know some about of, that. Yeah, right, I know. <laughs> yeah, we do. Okay, one of my favorite ones was um, – I actually don't remember if it was Memorial Day or Labor Day, but I went out with my friend Ambie and her husband, and it started very simply. We went to Maison Premier. It's this great bar in Williamsburg for oysters and mm. like a Bloody Mary. Oh, oh that sounds that so was, good. We just were like, we'll, we'll just go there. That was the first stop. Then we ended up at Pier A Harbor House down by my old job for more oysters. Ugh. And wine. Then we went back to Williamsburg, and we went to Fetisau, and I had barbecue. Whoops. Oh, my God. And then we went to Union Pool, and <laughs> I it was one of the best nights of my life because there was no one at the bar, which was really weird. They had this huge, big, open space where the bar was, and there was a DJ who was playing, like, remixes of, like, Frank Sinatra, oh, Ella Fitzgerald. Oh, I love that. Y'all, I gave myself, like, a full across-the-floor, like, dance combination at the bar. I was dancing my heart out. I was laying in the booth, like, shanjmong my legs. (laughs) It was one of the best nights ever. Another time, my my high school friends were in town. We hadn't all been together in a really long time. And it started off with drunk brunch, as it usually does. At this great – Oh, the best. This great Thai place, I think called Kitty Chai that doesn't exist anymore, or Kitty mm. Thai. Yeah. We started with Drunk Brunch. I think from there we ended up at the Standard Hotel because one of the girls, her boyfriend, that's where they were staying. He had booked a room at the Standard. So then we went to the Standard. Then we went to the Boom Boom Room. This is like at 3 p.m. This is epic. Yeah. 4 p.m. Epic martinis, the whole thing. I was oh dog God. sitting at the time, so I went I went to the Upper West Side where I was dog oh my sitting. Goodness. I walked the dog. I got in pajamas. I got in bed, and they called me and they were like, "Nope, you're coming back out." And I put clothes back on. Like at what time is this? That you're getting redressed, going back out? I don't know, like 11 p.m. <laughs> like no. not that 
not that late, mm. but not no. that early. I no. put clothes back on. I got in a cab and I went wow. back and we went to the Gramercy Hotel and we went out and we, I don't remember <laughs> how that night ended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those are my two like favorites. Mm-hmm. I have many oh. more, but I'll spare you. Oh, Oh. But I love this question because I guess I'm getting so excited. Like, man, I used I to have know. a lot of fun. <laughs> well, and also like that fun might not be that far away from us now. Like we might be able to have that kind of fun again soon. Well, Mariana, pop that baby out first so that we can. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mariana, out. God, can you just have your baby already? Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to go get a drink. Like. <laughs> Well, I mean, by the way she's moving in my tummy, it seems like she wants to join in on the fun, too. She's like, hey. Oh, my God. She can be part of our epic days. Yeah. Well, she already has a little onesie that say, let's do brunch. (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so ready. Brunch is in our future. Well, um, my most favorite memory of one of these weird, spontaneous nights is, um, so I used to work at Starbucks, and I had this beloved crew of Starbucks friends who I just adore. And they're they're the kind of friends who we cannot see each other or talk to each other for a while, and then the second the text chain starts up, it's like nothing, mm-hmm. no pause ever happened, you know? Um so we used to go to this place near Union Square called El Contenero. It's like a it's like a Mexican food place. I Do you know been it? Been there, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like centrally located, and they had good margaritas. Yeah. So we would just always kind of like end up there first. And so we were there. We were having dinner. We were having drinks. It was pretty late, I think, at that point. It's probably like. Well, not pretty late. It was like 10 or 11 mm-hmm. maybe when somebody's like, oh, let's go up to my, you know, my place up in Harlem and like we'll just we'll smoke cigarettes. Not we'll smoke. <laughs> we'll have some drinks, whatever. And everybody's super into that idea. I'm not a huge smoker, but I was like, whatever, I'll keep drinking. So we go all the way up to Harlem. We're in uh, this friend's apartment and her boyfriend is there who wasn't really part of our crew. So he was kind of new to us. And he was like, Oh, do you guys want to, you know, I can, I can get us better stuff. And so we've been in this apartment drinking more already kind of smoking. And we go across the street to somebody's apartment who we don't know. (laughs) And they're like, go on up to the roof. uh, Wait for us up there. We'll, we'll get stuff together and we'll like come meet you guys up there. So it's me and my friend Thomas and my friend Eric and we end up on the roof and we're just kind of waiting for our friend Diana and her boyfriend to come up. And my friend Thomas and I are kind of joking and looking over the edge of the building. Oh God. And I just see two what look like police officers. We had just been oh, making no. a joke about like the cops are going to come find us or something. And I see what looks like two police officers walking to the front of the building and we're pretty tipsy at this point and I'm just like Thomas do those look like cops to you and he kind of like laughs and he's like that would be hilarious and then he looks and he's like oh shit and so we haul ass downstairs to where my friend Diana and her boyfriend are about to bring stuff up to the roof and we catch them just in time and so we all start heading down the stairs. Her boyfriend puts all this stuff in her purse. Oh no! (laughs) We start going down the stairs and I'm at the end of our little group. The police are coming up the stairs as we are going down. 
and they start questioning somebody in the stairwell. Not one of my, not one of my friends. Somebody else in the stairwell. But I get like all of my friends keep going down the stairs, and I get stuck behind this little encounter that's happening. And so I'm just standing there, like awkwardly watching these cops question this person. And so I'm probably stuck there for like five to ten minutes. I finally get downstairs and my friend's jaws just drop because they're like, dude, I thought you were stuck up there being questioned. But it was it was just one of those crazy New York City. Yeah. Nights where one thing leads to another, yeah. leads to another, yeah. leads to another. And then before you know it, you're like, what is what hap- just happened right mm-hmm. now? <laughs> Mariana, do you want to share a story? <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, ugh, this is going to come off or sound really whatever. But I'm going to say I have so many, <laughs> so many of these stories because yeah. I, as you both know, and I've kind of been the instigator whenever we go out that I just want to keep going. So I don't (laughs) want to stop. Even at my wedding, we said like our motto was till the a.m. for Andrew and Mariana, but it was really till the a.m. because all our friends knew that the party wasn't going to stop at all because whenever we go out, that's what we do. Right. But one really cool thing, and and this is way back in college, and this is even before Andrew and I met. We were right across the street from the Hudson Hotel. So this place was like the go-to place for all the college people because it had just this hotel had just opened. So no matter mm. where we were, we always ended up there and the dance parties would be epic, especially oh. because all the dancers would go together and we were there to like yeah, we would maybe meet guys, maybe not meet guys, but we would always get drinks bought for us. And it would just be like, (laughs) (laughs) that's the way. That's the way to do it. But it was like, it it was one of those things where only in New York, I feel like, and only in New York do these bars and restaurants stay open so late that you can just keep on bar hopping or keep on going to different places. And we knew the, the bouncer's name was D. That was his, just because uh-huh. that was like the bouncer's name. He had the biggest fro. And he was like, he was Asian, but had like this like spiked fro. And he was like oh. the coolest guy. And everybody's like, well, do you know D? Yeah, I know D. Do you think he could get us in? <laughs> it was like, it's so stupid thinking about it now. But it, we just felt like we were so, so cool. So, cool. Yeah. so in the know. <laughs> but like Emma, like I, I, I have... I have so many of those those nights where or those days, yeah. especially when they started yeah, with the, the brunch with brunch. And when you would go into a place where brunch happened in a very dark room that was almost like a nightclub oh, and I you would walk that. out and it was still daylight outside. And you're like, well, I just have to keep I hated that. going. I think mm-hmm. that's the worst, too. Yeah. I mean, you have no other choice. You started early. So <laughs> right, you just exactly. might as well continue. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, so nostalgic. Yeah. Oh, one day. One day. But I was also thinking about, you know, Rachel mentions um, how something that would be like a normal run-of-the-mill day was then like filled with activities and drinking and spontaneity, like the sauna and the wine. She was like, that yeah. would have just been like a normal like run-of-the-mill day. Those right. are like, those were my favorites. Like similarly to your question, I feel like those days where you're not expecting anything and then... 
you get into something like that, those are the ones that really stick with you. Yeah. And I, and I think a lot of it also has to do with the people that you're with. Mm. Oh, a hundred percent. Cause if you're with, like when we go out, we, time just flies by and we just want to continue going because it's, and we're we enjoying each other's company and we going. always do. Yeah. What always astounds me when you have nights like that too is like, you never seem to run out of things to talk about, even though it seems inconceivable that you could talk continuously for that amount for of seven time. plus right. hours. Right. And yet at the end of the night, everybody's like, oh my God, it's so late already. You know what I mean? Like you could totally keep going for another like three to four yeah. hours. And yet it's already been like seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally. 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 <laughs> One thing that I wanted to ask, because we kind of touched earlier on what it is that Rachel sees in a friendship with Anna. Um, But this line caught my eye. Rachel says, now and then we would banter with other hotel guests. Friendly to a fault, I sometimes chatted with them for longer than Anna seemed to like. She was fast with her appraisals, deciding within minutes whether a person had anything to offer, entertainment value, interesting conversation, and so on. If they didn't, she was liable to ignore them. And it made me immediately question what Anna's interest was in Rachel. Rachel doesn't seem to have any connections that are of use to her. Why does Anna, do you think, seek out this relationship and continue this relationship with Rachel? My initial gut reaction to that is that Anna saw the vulnerability in Rachel and that she felt that she could wrap her around her little finger. Like there was some, mm, some, the insecurity same. maybe wasn't right on the surface, but she could tell that she could be someone that would be, that would give in. Malleable. Mm-hmm. That yeah. would give in to her malicious, her facade. Yeah, I feel the same way. And to add on to that, I feel like she also liked that Rachel, um, or it was easy for her that Rachel was always grateful for the times that Anna took mm. her out because it wasn't like if she had been her equal like if this if the right. if Rachel was who Anna wanted to be she could have been found out so much more easily but Rachel right. was easier because she wasn't an heiress and so she was actually genuinely right. excited for those experiences that Anna made possible for her right I think also the thing that it drove home for me is you know, it's always so easy to think like, oh, if I just had, if if my finances were in a different place, I'd be set. I'd be so yeah. perfect. But what what Anna's situation really highlighted for me in reading these chapters was she seemingly does have all the money in the world at her disposal, and yet she doesn't seem to be happy. And it's because she doesn't have anybody to either share that with or anybody to witness her supposed success um, or enjoy the things that, you know, she's privy to enjoying. And so in conjunction with you ladies are saying that, you know, Rachel's somebody who's malleable and also somebody who will appreciate what Anna is able to give her. I think Anna really needs, I think the con artist in her needs somebody to, to witness 
the con yeah. witness what she's yeah, getting yeah, yeah. away with otherwise it's like it's not real you know what that's I mean? the catch me if you yeah. can element yeah of this book. Yes. yeah that's yes. exactly it absolutely you're right well are you ladies ready for a final question yes, yes back all right i want to know first final question of season oh. two oh. better be good yeah, it's a fun Don't fuck it up. Okay. <laughs> Anna seems addicted to these infrared saunas, and she's even plotting to buy one and install it in her hotel room. So it got me thinking, if you could live like Anna in one little aspect of your life and incorporate one over-the-top extravagant indulgence into your life, what would it be? Can I do two? No. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, do two, whatever. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give you the, yeah, the first one that I, I thought of. You're being extravagant even in your answer. Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> what would Anna do? Well, I, I mean, I would want to have enough money to travel wherever I wanted and stay in the most luxurious places. To travel. Yeah, and that whatever that encompasses. I mean, I definitely went a little more surface than that, and I was more in in um, I was thinking more of like Anna's material um, yeah. indulgences. I would have someone come over and give me a massage every day. Oh, oh wow, that would be really nice. I just want someone to rub my body all the time. <laughs> nice, get a good rubbing. Yeah, all right. I need it. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I also went a little more materialistic and I would have I would want a hair and a professional hair and makeup artist every single day. Every day. Well, that's what I that was the question. One <laughs> thing that you could incorporate into your life. Yeah, it's true. Daily hair and makeup. Even if you were staying home, like even if you were yeah. in lockdown and you were <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I feel better when I look nice. Mm. And I'm more live. productive when I look nice. <laughs> Fine. Vacation home. And I would just live in my vacation home. <laughs> <laughs> Your <right>. permanent travel <laughs> solution. <laughs> to be fair, I was pretty stuck between the hair and makeup artist and the home chef. Oh. Because that also would be like, if I didn't have to worry about meals. Mm. Ooh, that's a good one. You know, the juice for you in the morning. Oh. Oh, just a healthy meal every meal of the and day. And your snack would be sashimi or something every day. Oh, yeah. Like, Maybe get I'll it. change get my it. <laughs> I know. You brought it to food. I know. Smart. Food is the one. Ooh. It's the one. With a sommelier <laughs> on the side. Oh. Oh, shit. <laughs> now we're getting crazy. <laughs> I think what we have to do is each get one of these things. Yeah. Like I get the chef, Mariana gets the sommelier. Yeah, and then we like we go in on this together. <laughs> sure. Let's start in, in a few years. Yep. <laughs> right. We'll be there. All right, y'all. Thank you all so much for listening. If you have an insight or a question you'd like to discuss on an episode, shoot us an email at arethesebooksdrunk at gmail.com for a chance to be featured on our listener question segment. Yes, we're yeah. an open book and we would love to answer one of your probing questions. Whatever you're dying, ask one of us three amigas. Now that we're back for season two, leave us a review and we will not only yeah. give you a shout out on our next episode, but we will what? slip 
into your DMs? Oh, oh shit! <laughs> what does? <laughs> wink, oh, <my>. wink. <laughs> You heard her. <laughs> Next week, we'll be reading to the end of chapter 10. Stay tuned on our Instagram page at Are These Books Drunk to find out next week's cocktail and mocktail pairing so that you can read along and sip along with us. Because it's always happy, happy hour. hour here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so good to be back. I know. Missed you guys. I know. Here's to season two. Yes. yes. Oh, cheers. Cheers. Salud.